Welcome to It's Time, the daily teaching ministry from the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. On today's episode of It's Time, we'll listen to Senior Pastor Mike Kessler as he teaches in the book of 2 Samuel. This book is especially important as it focuses entirely on the life of King David, the line of Christ. Examining the triumphs and troubles of David, we can learn a lot about being a person after God's own heart. With the timely study on 2 Samuel, here's Pastor Mike. And if you have your Bible, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of 2 Samuel as we look at the life of David. We uh, get into, me, uh, you might say, the darker side of David's life. And uh, sometimes you just kind of wish that, um, well, the chapter would have ended at chapter 10, uh, the whole book. But, uh, you know, one of the things that we do find in the Bible is it doesn't just record all the good things that a person does, but sometimes it records the bad things as well. And then what God does in spite of the bad things that have happened in our life. And friends, I, again, I, I look at this as is very much a, um, not only a warning, but very much an encouragement that no matter what we've done, how God can rebuild and restore and bless. Uh, because again, God is greater than the things that we've done wrong. And so let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to study your word. Tonight we ask you that you would give us inspiration and understanding. Lord, a heart for the lost. And so God, thank you again for the things that you do. May you now bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. You know how important it is, again, that we remember what we learn. And I believe this is something that only the Holy Spirit really does. I've tried to remember things, and uh, uh, sometimes we just forget. But, you know, the Holy Spirit uh, has a way of causing these things to come to remembrance according to the prompting of uh, His work in our heart. Sometimes you may be witnessing to somebody or sharing your faith with somebody. And as an example, and... and uh, All of a sudden, you start remembering things you never knew you knew. Well, that's the Holy Spirit working in you, and that's how uh, God works. And so, again, chapter 11 tonight, we find, uh, actually, the nation of Israel had basically subdued most of their enemies. They they, uh, actually was kind of at their uh, peak of power, you might say. And uh, so it says in uh, uh, verse 1 of chapter 11, Now it came to pass in the spring of the year, at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon, besieged uh, Rabbah, uh, but David remained in Jerusalem. Now, it is interesting here that it says, when the kings go out to war, hey, what time is it? It's time to go fight. You know, I mean, it's kind of a funny thing that this is, you know, they waited till the weather got good. You know, nobody wants to be out in the middle of a battlefield in the middle of a blizzard or something. So they waited until the, uh, you know, the weather got more conducive to go, go commence to scrap. And, uh, so, uh, they did. And so they went out to battle, but unusually, usually David went to battle with them. And this time David stays uh, at home. Now, uh, again, verse two, it says, then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked out on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. And so, um, uh, very customary in those areas of the world, and uh, to uh, because the house was hot inside, that people would go out uh, on the roof. Uh, they didn't have a lot of room for porches and front yards as we do today, so uh, they do most of their uh, you know evening activities up on the roof of the house. Um, and uh, even today, if you go over to Israel, you'll see people that will hang their clothes on the clotheslines up on top of their house. They don't really have a a lot of room for front yards and things. And so uh, uh, David uh, was uh, walking on the roof of his house and looks over Jerusalem and, and sees not too far away uh, this woman bathing. 
Now, I don't know exactly what this girl was doing having a bath on the roof of her house either, but um, whatever it was, it says that David uh, thought that she was uh, beautiful to behold. And so David sent and inquired about this woman. And someone said, is that not Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Now, um, Uriah was one of the uh, best soldiers that David had. And, and of course, we find uh, the daughter of Elam. And uh, he says that David sent messengers and took her. And she came to him and he laid with her for she was cleansed from her impurity and she returned to her house. And so they had a little uh, a rendezvous. Uh, and now it's interesting here that she did not scream and try to get out of the, out of the thing. And yet at the same time, uh, David took full advantage of, his, of, of where he was at and his authority and everything like that. Well, verse 5, it says, the woman conceived. And so she sent and told David, um, oh, I'm with child. Well, this creates a problem for David naturally. Because talk about negative PR, it's no better today than it was then. And, and so this was going to create a problem for David. And so it's interesting that the creative mind, when in sin, does all kinds of things to alter the facts and change things that aren't right. And so this is things that we find now. David, who knew the Lord, who trusted God, who saw God deliver him many times out of, out of uh, problems and issues of his life, now David uh, is going to try to fix the problem. Of course, David got himself into it because of his lusts, and now we find that David is trying to fix this. So David sent to Joab saying, send to me Uriah the Hittite, uh, uh, Bathsheba's um, husband. And Joab sent to Uriah, uh, sent uh, Uriah to David. And when Uriah had come to him, David asked how uh, Joab was doing and how the people were doing and how the war prospered. In other words, some small talk going on because there was actually a greater agenda. And you'll find, friends, a lot of times that there's always small talk when there's a greater agenda. Uh, 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 there's always the main point uh, separating from the from the uh, proliferary stuff that's on the outside uh, that isn't really uh, has to do with it. You'll oftentimes find this yourself. You'll maybe come across somebody you haven't seen for a long time. They'll call you on the phone and, oh, how are you doing? And all the stuff will go on. And then finally they get down and they're trying to get you into a multi-marketed leveling scheme or something like that or try to sell you something or, or whatever. Uh, and so uh, David is making small talk now with Uriah. And then uh, he said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah departed from the king's house and a gift of food from the king followed him. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with the servants of his Lord and did not go down to his house. Now this creates a problem because the whole idea of Uriah coming back from the, from the war front was that he'd go home, uh, have a relationship with, uh, uh, with Bathsheba. Of course, Bathsheba's pregnant with David's kid, but this way uh, Uriah will believe it's his kid. Uh, and so David's uh, problems begin to compound here because Uriah is not going home. Uh, he doesn't feel that it's right for, and as we'll read here, that it's right for him to enjoy the comforts of a wife while all of his buddies are out on the front lines battling away. So rather than go home, he stays with, uh, he stays at the king's door. And uh, so when they told David, saying Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, "Did you not come uh, from a journey?" Why did you not go down to your house? And Uriah told David, The ark of Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents, and my lord Joab and 
Uh, the servants of my Lord are encamped in open fields. Shall I then go to my house, eat and drink, and lie with my wife as you live, as my soul lives? I will not do this thing. In other words, I'm not going to take advantage of my uh, situation right now. You sent me home on basically a military leave, but I can't enjoy all those things when I know my buddies are all out on the front lines. You see, Job was kind of a, uh, you might say, Uriah was a man of uh, some integrity. He didn't uh, go along with uh, all of that. And even though he could have enjoyed himself, uh, he wasn't self-seeking. This is always going to be a problem when there's somebody who is self-seeking versus somebody who isn't. uh, There's always going to be somebody that's going to lose. And so it says, um, David said to Uriah, wait here today and tomorrow I will let you depart. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. Now when David called him, he ate and drank before him. And David got Uriah drunk. And at the evening he went out to lie on his bed with the servants of his Lord, but he did not go down to his house. David says, well, I know what I'll do. I'll get him a little drunk and maybe he'll get a little frisky and maybe he'll go home. No matter what David tried to do, Uriah was not going to go home. Now, this creates a problem for David because, again, uh, people who are schemers and plotters always scheme and plot. And uh, so they'll try one thing only to be found out somewhere else. And so, verse 14, then in the morning it was told to David, uh, in the morning it was so that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. In the letter he wrote, saying, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retreat from him that he may be struck down and die. It is sad here that Uriah has in his own hand his death warrant. And uh, he didn't even know it. Uh, These letters are generally sealed. Um, In other words, a a message from the king to the commander of the army, rolled up, sealed in a scroll. Uriah takes it to Joab. Joab is the only one that reads it. And And the message is so bizarre. Get the battle hot, put Uriah in the front, and let him be killed. So it happened while Joab besieged the city that he assigned Uriah to a place where he knew there were valiant men. Uh, Actually, their valiant men, not speaking of his valiant men. In other words, there were sharpshooters on the enemy's side. And so Joab, of course, being... He was a commander of an army. He knew how to study the situation. And he knew where the enemy's strong points were as well as their weak points. And so then what he did is he sent Uriah into the strong point of the enemy camp where they knew he would be killed. Now you got to realize that Joab is probably scratching his head right now going, what in the world kind of crazy command is this? And he was right. So it says, then the men of the city came out, fought against Joab, and some of the people of the servants of David fell, and Uriah the Hittite also died. Now it's interesting here that this was a deliberate thing. So not only do we find now um, David uh, having, and and friends, this would be one thing, if David, you know, just kind of had the urge to merge and, 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 you know, there was no one around, but this guy was the king and basically he could have had any woman he wanted, providing it fell within the confines of, of the Bible. In other words, that as long as she wasn't married or something, plus he already had a half a dozen or more wives at this time. So it wasn't that he didn't have someone to snuggle up with at night. This is just something that he wanted to go out on a fleeing and have. And so the problem, of course, is that she was married. And so now David not only has the problem of the relationship, 
But the second problem is she was married. The third problem now, he tried to get Uriah drunk. Now he's plotting his murder. Now Uriah is murdered, but also it says other men of Israel fell. It is interesting the progression of, of, of disaster that follows somebody that is in rebellion to God. It's, it's an amazing thing to me. And, uh, you know, it's always easy to blame somebody else for the problem. But, you know, you got to look at yourself here. And this was the problem with David. David didn't want to face up to what he did. So he just kind of keeps going on. Well, now we have innocent people dying as well. You know, you have Uriah, an innocent, innocent man. But you now also have other children of Israel that are dying too. So it says, then Joab sent and told David the things concerning the war. And charged the messengers saying... When you have finished telling the matters of the war to the king, if it happens that the king wrath rises and says to you, why did you approach near to the city when you fought? Did you not know that they would shoot from the wall? I mean, if David gets upset because there were men lost in the battle, then you say to him, who struck Abimelech, the son of Jeruthalus, you can say that how you like to say that, guys with a lot of funny names. Was it not a woman who cast the, uh, a piece of millstone on him from the wall so that he died in, in Thebes? Why did you go near the wall? In other words, he's saying here from, the, from history teaches you, you don't go near a wall uh, against the enemy because either they're going to shoot from the wall or they're going to throw things up from the wall and kill you. That's what he's basically saying. So he said, didn't you learn the, the lesson from Abimelech? Uh, he's saying, then you shall say, Your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. So in other words, then David would know that the reason this staged battle in which they were destined to lose on purpose was staged. And the whole reason was so that Uriah would die. This is exactly uh, what this little encoded message was supposed to mean. So now you can see... The cover-up, you can see the treachery involved. Uh, you can see the, the trail of wreckage. And, uh, you know, it's a, kind of an interesting thing because you even think about it in, in anybody's life. You can see a person that uh, has been having maybe a pretty good life and, and they, they get into drugs a little bit. And at first, maybe it's just a doobie here, a doobie there. And then pretty soon, it's some other drugs. And then pretty soon, they get into meth. And pretty soon, they get into all these other things. And and pretty soon now, instead of them going out, you might say, recreationally having their drugs, now their drugs are controlling them. And so what was once maybe something kind of done with friends as just something kind of fun to do on a Friday or Saturday night, now it's something that's controlling them where now they, you find themselves wrecking their health, ruining their job, stealing from friends in order to continue to support their, their runaway habit. Ultimately ending up in jail where they are then limited to the accessibility to many of the drugs that was destroying their life. And so you can see that there's a progression in sin. Now, uh, just to tell you this as well, as we study the scripture, you know, Paul tells us that we go from glory to glory. And there's a progression of holiness as well, where we begin to see the hand of God in our life and the way God works. And we see how God establishes us. Then he adds another thing to your life and your ministry, another thing to your life and your ministry, another thing to your life and your ministry. And there's a, there's a progression that way as well. In other words, wherever you at, you're not going to stay there. Now, remember that. Because a lot of times, well, I'm saved, I'm here to say it. No, you're not. You're saved and you're on your way. 
And whatever God is doing in your life, though you may not completely understand it today, God's got a plan that he's initiated in your life to have you be and do what he wants you to do. Now, a lot of times we may not understand that, but it's like, it's like any building. There's an old song years ago, I'm working on a building. I'm working on a building for my Lord, for my Lord. It's a Holy Ghost building. Well, it's true. You know, God's got us and he's living inside of us. And we know that every day he adds so that we will build on the lessons learned of yesterday. Now, again, um, we find that many times in the Bible, the children of Israel fail the lesson and they had to do it again until they got it right. Now, friends, again, there's a reason why. It isn't that God's just trying to be a mean ogre and say, well, you did that wrong, I'm going to punish you. No, there's something God's teaching us in the middle of the lesson because that information is going to be necessary in the next plateau that you go to. And always remember, new level, new devil. That's true. Because, uh, again, every time you strengthen yourself in the Lord, um, the, the devil fortifies himself as well. And he has to try new tactics and new angles in order to cause the ministry that God has created in your life to stop. Now, again, this is one of the things. Now, in, in spite of all this that God does, there's always issues in our life. Friends, you're never going to live the Christian life and have God building in your life and glory to glory and all those things without issues of your life. But that's where repentance comes in, and we stop it where it begins, and we go on. But when again, this is the problem in David's life. David, God had done great things in his life and built and built and built in his life, but now we find something where David did not want to repent from it. And he became more and more obstinate and more and more stubborn. Now we find people dying. We find unreasonable requests. And now we find other people trying to lie for David. In other words, uh, the battle that was heated up, now we find that now Joab is reporting back to him basically a lie that, yeah, you know, this is the way we kind of did it. And, and so you find adultery, you find lying, you find murder, you find uh, other people being killed. And, and you see this escalation, you go, wow, this is crazy. Again, that's the way the dark side works. But on the other hand, God, as you are faithful, God builds in your life these things. Now, again, I, I think this is why a lot of times in our Christian experience, that, that as, as we, we learn more about the Lord, as we learn more about life God's way, we become more selective and more um, observe, observant in what we allow to come into our life, whether it be the things that we do, the people we associate with, the people we marry. Because I, I believe that, again, as that happens... We, become to, we begin to see elements of personality that we know that unless that's brought under the control of the Holy Spirit, that's going to put a real hurting in your life if you associate or tie yourself up with that kind of a person. And, and again, that's why a lot of times people of the world, they really don't care. I mean, they, they don't, and they, they, they jump into things and then they live in the consequences. And Christians, though we're slower at reacting to things or doing things, the result of it is your life is protected and your life isn't torn up. Your kid's life isn't torn up and all these kinds of things. Because again, there's a protection that God puts in our life because he opens our eyes to see through what we normally would look at and say that's all there is. Remember this, God sees all sides. We only see one side. We only, we, all we can see is one perspective. But God, again, that when Jesus taught the disciples to pray, our Father which art in heaven, right there, friends, in that first few lines, first of all, he's our Father, which makes us all brothers and sisters in the Lord. But second of all, our Father which art in heaven tells us that God has a different vantage or a viewpoint of the issues of your life than you do. Now again, how many sides does a basketball have? 
two, inside and outside. Now, now we don't normally think of a basketball being seen from the inside. And if you have one run over by a car, it, 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 it's much different looking on the inside than it is on the outside. And needless to say, if you see the inside of a basketball, you probably don't have a basketball anymore. It's been modified. The point is, is this. God sees all sides present. And then, by his Holy Spirit, gives you direction in negotiating life in this world with another vantage point than just your own. See, this is the problem when when we talk about people becoming born again. And the question is this, you, you won't have God's vantage point if the only vantage point you care about is your own. That's what we repent from. Uh, people say, well, when you, when, you, when you repent or turn away, what do you turn away from? Your own self. The only opinion that matters in this world is mine. You ever talk to people like that? I'm God of my own universe. I saw that t-shirt one time that said there's two things for sure. One, there is a God, and two, you're not it. Well, I think that's important. You know, you look at that and understand that there's more than what we see. But people that are filled with themselves, and again, the Bible says the root of all sin is pride. So friends, when you really get down to the bottom line, pride is what stops a person from wanting God's perspective in their life. And so they live their life their selfish way and end up paying the consequences of it. It's a sad way to live. And so again, when a person becomes born again, part of it, we know is accepting Christ as our Savior, but the other most equally important part, and this is lacking in a lot of the Christian circles today in America and around the world, is repentance. And that means abandoning your point of view and saying, okay, God, now I embrace yours and you give me and tell me what you want me to do. And that's Pastor Mike Kessler, Senior Pastor at the River Christian Fellowship with Second Samuel on It's Time. If you'd like to have your own copy of today's episode, you can obtain one for free from the daily iTunes podcast. If you want a hard copy, you can give us a call at 800-357-4226 to place your order. And while you do that, don't forget that 2 Samuel is part two of the first and second Samuel series available from the River Christian Fellowship. Please tune in next time for another relevant Bible study on It's Time.